book of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And I want to read a few verses of Scripture. Verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, and is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I want to concentrate our attention on that concept of enduring sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I want to I preach for a few moments this evening on the subject, the sacrifice and simplicity of sound doctrine. The sacrifice and simplicity of sound doctrine. Amen. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you because your presence is in this place. We ask for your anointing in this house. We ask for double portion of your spirit upon each of us as we seek to be who you've called us to be. Lord, we hunger and thirst after righteousness, and we know the promise that we shall be filled. We receive that tonight in the name of Jesus. Pray for an anointing upon your messenger and upon your people, and we thank you and give you praise. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I want to read a little bit more from the word of the Lord. In order to give some context, I want to provide an example of an individual and a case where sound doctrine was very difficult for this man to understand, very difficult for him to, to wrap his heart around it, or even his mind. And... Uh, and he ended up asking some very pertinent questions, and he ended up setting an example for us, perhaps on exactly what not to do. But from John chapter 18, verse 33, the Bible talks about a man by the name of Pilate. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews. Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation 
and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Something has to be wrong. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? I'm asking you a question. Are you a king? Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, and this is the question that shows us his befuddled state of mind. He said, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. No fault. He examined this man. He studied this man. Analyzed him, looked him over, checked his record, listened to his words, watched his actions and his reactions, and came away with the conclusion, this man is innocent. I want to submit to you tonight that that, that is the basis of sound doctrine, the innocence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is an innocent man unfairly and unduly crucified. Yes, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Yes, there were scriptures that pointed to the day in which it would take place that described him being sold out, that described him being smitten and afflicted, described him being wounded and bruised. But I want you to know that it would be woe upon the person who would, in fact, perpetrate these acts against Jesus? It wasn't God's will that somebody engage in this behavior. It simply was going to happen and have to happen. Just as today, there are prophecies that describe a great falling away. As well as prophecies that describe a great revival. You and I get to decide which prophecy we're going to fulfill. I choose to be a part of the great revival. I don't want to be a part of the group that falls back, falls away, turns back, quits when the going gets tough. And Pilate is standing in some very critical times of history. And these history, these prophecies point to a time in history that is to come that will involve the murder of an innocent man. And, and Pilate needs to be as far from that as he possibly can be. Because engaging in this behavior is going to cause him great distress, not to mention the injustice of it all. But he, of course, is the man who basically gave the authorization for Jesus to be crucified. Judas was the man who sold Jesus into the hands of the priests for 30 pieces of silver. Both Judas and Pilate have something in common. 
History tells us that Pilate committed suicide. Scripture tells us that Judas committed suicide. Both men lived with the agony of guilt and condemnation over what they had done to the innocent Christ. It was something that neither one could get over. And I want, you to, I want to just say here for a moment, if you understood sound doctrine, then you would understand that it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. That's sound doctrine. If you confess your sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive you of your sins. That is sound doctrine. It is based and rooted in the innocence of Jesus Christ. It is based and rooted in the fact that in him is, is mercy that endures forever. There is no taint to his perspective on anybody. And he is no respecter of persons. He is an innocent man. This is why we call him the lamb. Anybody ever heard him called the lamb? John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. 10,000 times 10,000 will sing, Worthy is the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. He is called the Lamb of God because he is innocent like a lamb. There's no impurity in him. There is no violation of law in him. There is no transgression of God's commandments in him. There is no imperfection. He is an innocent, pure person. Hallelujah. We talked this morning about brokenness and how that the gospel of peace has come to establish wholeness. That gospel of peace comes from Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can bring wholeness because he is the only one who is whole. Everyone else is broken. Everyone else is fractured. Everyone else has issues that, that disqualify them from being able to be the perfect lamb, the perfect substitute, the perfect sacrifice who can bring redemption to lost mankind. But not Jesus. He's different than any world leader. He's different than any religious leader. He's different than anybody the world had ever known. He is perfect. He is innocent. Pilate declared, I find no fault in him at all. This is the basis of our salvation. This is the basis of our hope. That he is an innocent man. That he was crucified. And the blood that he shed on that cross was innocent blood. It was pure blood. It was efficacious blood. It had the power to come against the sin stains that we had imposed upon ourselves. And we give God the praise for that. He is worthy. I said the Lamb is worthy to be praised. He's worthy of your hand clap. He's worthy of your song of joy. He's worthy of your shout of triumph. He's worthy. He's worthy of your dedication. He's worthy of your commitment. He's worthy. He is worthy to be praised. This is sound doctrine. This is why we repent of our sins. Because he's worthy. Because he's innocent. This is why we are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And in no other name are we baptized. Because he's innocent. Because he's worthy. Glory to God. This is why we open our hearts to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Glory to the name of God. Because he is innocent. He is pure. 
And he fills our lives and he replaces all of the garbage that we have allowed to accumulate over time. This is why we live a holy life. Not through our own power, but through the power of the Holy Ghost. And we separate, we are separated from the world and unto the Lord because he is worthy, he is innocent, he is pure. We don't participate in certain activities that would grieve the Holy Ghost because he is worthy, he is pure, he is innocent. Temptation loses its allure, ladies and gentlemen, when you're focused on the innocence of Jesus Christ. You are continually beckoned back to the innocent Lamb of God. This is the soundness of our doctrine. This is what we are all measured against. Make no mistake about it. This is the standard by which we will all be judged. We will appear before the Lord Jesus Christ. The judge. The judge. The judge of the quick and the dead. We will stand before this perfect, innocent Lamb of God. And our life will be compared to His life. And the only way to withstand that judgment that is sure to be so piercing, that is sure to find us wanting, that is sure to find us lacking, the only way to withstand that judgment is to be in Him and to be absolved by His life. Hallelujah. This, this is why we call it the Lamb's Book of Life. See, you got a book of life. And he's got a book of life. The book of life is simply the record that was kept on an individual's life. So there's a Joel's book of life. And there's a book of life for each of us. We spend our years as a tale that is told. We've all got a book that, 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 that actually includes every word that we speak, including the idle word. Everything you say and do, and it's all there. It's recorded. This is why the Bible says it's a wise man who watches his words. This is why the Bible says that you don't just, you don't just go do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say. You better, you better know what you're talking about. And be careful of what you're doing. Watch thou in all things. Because with every act... And with every word, it is being recorded in the eternities. And there is a book of your life. Serving God is when you say, I don't want my book anymore. I want his book. God, is there any way, is there any way that I can be taken in by the power of your spirit? Can you forgive me of my sins? Can you wash me whiter than snow? Can I be buried in the name of the lamb filled with your spirit when he writes your name in his book that's going to come in handy on the day of judgment because whosoever's name is not written in the lamb's book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire and you know who else is going to be in the lake of fire the false prophet the antichrist Hell, Satan, all of the angels that were fallen, every, every wicked imaginable creature that you can imagine will be in the lake of fire and whosoever's names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preaching to you a serious message. 
Every time we open this Bible and stand behind this pulpit, we are doing what the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to do. Preach the word! Because the time is coming that they will not endure sound doctrine. Preach the word. Be instant. In season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort. With all long suffering and with all doctrine. He said, for my time has come that I will depart. The time of my departure is at hand. And I, I have fought a good fight. And I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I have finished my course. Not for me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Can I say something, ladies and gentlemen? We have watched elders finish their course. Can I tell you that we have watched the saints of God come to the time of their departure? Can I tell you that there have been pastors and preachers and teachers and soul winners and saints and singers, hallelujah, who have been preaching the word, singing the word, teaching the word, living the word, trying to instill it into our hearts, and they're not here anymore, and they're not on this earth anymore, and their presence is missed, and they left voids. Oh, what a responsibility there is for us to preach the word like we've never preached it before. Oh, what a responsibility there is for us to be more dedicated than we've ever been before this isn't time to play games this isn't time to backslide this isn't time to turn around this isn't time to misunderstand the seriousness of what we're involved in it's time to preach the word it's time to be instant in season reprove rebuke exhort because there's a time coming there's a time coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, it's so simple, sound doctrine is. Because it's, it's, it's not this big long list of decrees. It's actually the life of God manifest in the flesh. And, and this is how simple it is. He will literally put his life in you. That's how simple it is. When, when, when he talks about the life, anybody ever heard Jesus talk about the life? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's talking about the life you're supposed to be living. But this is what he's telling you. I the life that you are supposed to be living so if you lay down your life then I will put my life inside of you and you can live like I lived and you can have my innocence and you can have my blamelessness and you can have my purity of thought and you can have my purity of speech and you can have my purity of heart yeah that's actually how simple it is I come to bring you life and, and yet you continue to go back to the thief let me tell you something, how, how, how evil the enemy is. And we continually go back to his ways. And he has come for three reasons. To steal. I know you thought it was to make you feel good. No, 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 no. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. I, I know you thought it was to, to, to kind of play into your, your, your greatest desires and your, your highest 
aspirations and, and, you, and you flirt around with what the enemy puts in front of you. But no, there are three reasons he came and three reasons only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come. Now this is sound doctrine, ladies and gentlemen, that you might have life and that more abundantly. Oh, it's so sound I'm telling you it's more sound than the than the ground upon which you're standing you can put your feet on that doctrine you can walk on that doctrine when the ground shifts beneath your feet if you stand on that word you will never waver or shake hallelujah it is the innocence of Jesus Christ it is the innocence of Jesus Christ and we are beckoned back to that innocence the question that was asked and continues to be asked, and it's a good question to ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What you are saying when you're asked of that, that question, what's being said is simply that he is the standard by which all our actions are judged. What would he do? And if you'll answer that honestly, you'll know what to do. Every single time. Oh, how far we drift from him off on our own path and in our own way lost on the ocean of life Pilate examines Jesus and says I find in him no fault at all he has come to a revelation of the innocence of Jesus Christ when you come to that revelation you have just heard the pure gospel. Pilate had the pure gospel illustrated to him. It was in that moment that he should have fallen on his knees and repented of all his sins. And asked the Lord Jesus Christ to remember him in paradise. It was in that moment that this should have happened. But Pilate is an example of what we do many times. He finds it hard to endure sound doctrine. Because see, sound doctrine, while it's simple, it does involve sacrifice. I don't mean here and there. Oh, I got to sacrifice this today and that tomorrow. No, no, no. It involves complete and total sacrifice. You lay down your life so that you can take up his. You lay down your ambitions so you can take up his. You lay down everything about you. You don't hold on to anything that you thought you had. And you're scared of that? Why are you scared of that? Go back to the innocence of Jesus Christ. Why are you scared to lay down your life? Have you not realized yet that you manipulating your life is a destructive thing? And him in control of your life is a wonderful thing? Let me remind you of who we're talking about. The wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Let me remind you of who we're talking about. We're talking about the altogether lovely. We're talking about he who is all in all. We are talking about the great I am, the bread of life, the water of life, the way, the truth, and the life. He knows what's best for you. He created you. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Lay it down. Lay it down. And let him have complete and total authority in your life. That's sound doctrine. But people have a hard time enduring that. Because your flesh is still with you. You still have a natural body. 
and your natural body, the Apostle Paul referred to it as a body of death. It is slowly dying. It is slowly dying. Your body is slowly dying. My body is slowly dying. You have to have a pristine understanding that this world is not our home. So Paul went on to tell Timothy that that he had a a fellow laborer named Demas who had forsaken him. Who loved this present world. And he had forsaken us because he loved this present world. When you feel yourself falling in love with this present world. You've got to go back to the innocence of Jesus Christ. Because that's what matters. And that's where we're going. This world is not our home. We count all things but loss for the excellency hallelujah for the excellency of Jesus Christ heaven and earth shall pass away but his words they shall not pass away he looked to his disciples and said will you also go from me but Peter said to whom shall we go for thou hast the words of eternal life I'm preaching sound doctrine to you sound doctrine is Jesus Sound doctrine is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. You can't add to Him. You can't improve upon Him. You can't somehow add your thoughts, your conjecture, your opinion, your speculation and somehow improve upon Him. It is the simplicity of Him. The soundness of our doctrine is based in His innocence. And Pilate knew that. This is an innocent man. There's no fault in him at all. And he went back to the Jews and he said to them, his conscience was bothering him. And he was trying to practice sound doctrine, but he was having a hard time enduring it. Because it involves sacrifice on every level. Abandoning yourself. And mind you, Pilate received a a warning from the Lord. God gave his wife a dream that he was in danger because of what he was about to perpetrate against this innocent Christ. And it troubled her and it troubled Pilate. And Pilate kept asking him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus would say, some say that I am. I, am, I only speak the truth and those who are of the truth hear my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? When the real question was, who is truth? And Jesus Jesus is there as an innocent man and Pilate understands as he looks in him inside and out and realizes I'm dealing with somebody I've never dealt with before. This is an innocent, innocent man. No fault in him at all. Pilate came to the very same revelation that you came to when you decided to give your life to Jesus Christ. He came to the same revelation you came to when you decided that your way wasn't the right way and that you needed Jesus in your life. And so Pilate begins to to engage with sound doctrine. But sound doctrine demands absolute and complete sacrifice. Ultimate sacrifice. The laying down of one's complete life. And he goes back to the Jews and he says to the Jews, listen. Listen, I, I know your custom and I understand that I have authority to release unto you a prisoner. Please, I'm begging you. Let me release to you the king of the Jews. And that's how Pilate referred to him. Pilate didn't refer to him as the alleged king of the Jews. He referred to him as the king of the Jews. Not because Jesus was arrayed in a fine robe and a big crown and had a big scepter. No, no, no. He referred to him as the king of the Jews because he found in him no fault at all. 
And he knew that that qualified him as king. No position bestowed upon him by men qualified him as king. What qualified him as king was his purity and innocence. And he said, please let me give to you the king of the Jews. And the Jews did what we do. No, we don't want Jesus. We want the thief and the murderer. Give us Barabbas. We would rather receive the murderer than we would receive Jesus. How many times do we make that decision? How many times do we say, I know I really need Jesus. There's no fault in him at all. He's innocent and he's pure. And this is the way walk ye in it. But I just can't endure that sound doctrine. And so I'm going to go the way of my own devising. Give me the murderer. Give me the thief. I know it's going to steal my joy. I know it's going to run roughshod over my faith. I know I'm going to be laid bleeding in the street by the time it's done. But give me Barabbas. Time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. When they will not be able to stand up against the standard of this innocent man. And they'd rather see him dead than see him imparted unto them. When you look at Pilate, he, he goes back in and he, he looks at Jesus and says again, tell me who you are. I want to know who you are. Jesus, and he goes through these exchanges. Finally, Pilate walks out and says, listen, listen, if you're, gonna, if you're going to insist upon this man being murdered, I, I want you to know that I, I want no part in it. And so he sent him off to Herod. Somebody said, he's from Galilee. He said, oh, he's from Galilee. Yeah, he's from Galilee. Oh, then he's in Herod's jurisdiction. Perfect. He sends him back to Herod. Herod was excited because he'd been wanting to see Jesus do a miracle for a long time. So Jesus walks in. Herod's got like water sitting there. Please turn that into wine. Turn the stones into bread. Feed the multitudes with nothing but a few loaves and fishes. He wanted to see some miracle of him. Jesus answered him not a word. He had nothing to do with Herod. Herod sent him back. Wrapped him up in a king's robe, dressed him up in a costume as though he were a king, mocked him and sent him back to Pilate and said, just whatever. I don't, I don't care what you do with him, whatever. And Pilate said, you're missing the point. I didn't want him on my hands because I know he is innocent. I know there is no fault in him at all. He goes back to the Jews and he sets up a water basin. And, he, and in front of all of them, he dips his hands in the water basin. And he said, I wash my hands of the blood of this man. Goes through a big ceremony. And, and, and ritually, if you please, wipes the blood of Jesus Christ off of his hands. As if to say that even though I'm authorizing it, I'm not the one driving in the nails. And I'm not the one applying the whip. So I, I wash my hands of this. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what ceremony you go through. If your heart's not in it, it has no effect in your life. Some people have, some people have not only washed their hands, some people have jumped in the water tank. But they didn't do it in faith believing. And they didn't do it in his name. And they didn't do it with faith in their heart that his blood had the power to wash away their sins. And they were trying to fulfill some ritual. You can try to appease your conscience all you want. A violated conscience cannot be appeased and made whole. It must be cleansed and healed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Pilate goes on. 
going through the rituals and going through the ceremonies that mean nothing because the heart is far from them. He goes on. And the Bible says that he makes up a sign. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He had it to be read in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the chief priest said, don't write it like that. Make it say Jesus of Nazareth, who said he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. This was again another way of him trying to appease his own conscience. In his own mind, he was confessing. He is the king. Just in case he's the king, he's the king. Just in case I'll stand in judgment for this one day. It will be noted that I declared and I recorded that Jesus of Nazareth is the king of the Jews. This man was trying desperately to find a way out. To find a way out of having to try Jesus. But instead of just laying it all down. Sacrificing his own political career for the life of Jesus Christ. He chose to go the route that the world likes to go. And that is a complete and wholesale rejection of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to people tonight that you have an opportunity to embrace Jesus Christ come what may. You have an opportunity to wrap your arms around everything about him. Regardless of what comes against you, don't forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave him bloodied and battered in your life. Walking away knowing good and well he's the only way. God help us to preach the word. God help us to lift his name in Zion. God help us to be a light in this world. God help us in every decision to hearken back to the innocent one. To the Lamb of God. To the one who does all things well. God help each and every one of us. Hallelujah. God help each and every one of us to be like John the Beloved. Who went all the way to the foot of the cross. Even though there were detractors, even though the world said, listen, this is not the guy. You're on the wrong side of history. How many times have we heard that in recent years? You're on the wrong side of history. If you're going to stand for the word of the Lord, you're on the wrong side of history. You might be on the wrong side of history, but you're not on the wrong side of eternity. Jesus is sound doctrine. How many are willing to lay your life down for him? Hallelujah. Come on, take up your cross and follow me. Ooh, take up your cross and follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Take up your cross and follow me, follow me, follow me. I was just sent an article by a preacher Springfield, Missouri. The article was written by the Assembly of God. It was about my great-grandfather. He was a missionary with the Assembly of God a hundred years ago. And he wrote about his experiences on the mission field. He described the persecution that they underwent. He described the fact that, that there were a group of young ladies... Who were going to church 
to worship Jesus. But because they were spirit-filled Holy Ghost believers, they were attacked. They They were shot with bullets on their way to church. This was to be a a point made. This was to to show the believers and slow them down and show them the hatred that would come their way if they continued down the path of giving their all to the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you understand the innocence of Jesus and when you keep coming back to who he was, every trial that I face, Brother Wilson, every time I want to, every time I feel like giving up, I have to go back to him. And, I, and I, lose, I lose my justification for giving up. Every time I want to throw in the towel and say, I can't do this. The Spirit of the Lord takes me back to Him draped in a mocking costume with the crown of thorns shoved onto His brow and blood dripping down His face. And Him just standing there saying, that, is that what you say or is that what they say about me? I speak the truth and everyone who is of the truth can hear my voice. And it, and it brings me it brings me all the way back to the soundness of this doctrine that I can make it I can make it I can endure I, I can get through what I'm going through I can do that because he did that and he empowers me to do that no I can't give up no I can't quit hallelujah because I'm held to the standard of the one who filled me with his spirit what do you think happened when he filled you with the Holy Ghost? You think you spoke in tongues a little bit, got a little chill bump, go up and down your spine, felt good, cried a long time. No, the power of the Holy Ghost filled you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. The living God of heaven and earth is in you. And he has given you power, 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 power to walk right, power to talk right, power to live right, power to do right, power to treat people right. Glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stir up the gift that is in you. Stir up the gift that is inside of you. Stir up the gift that is inside of you. Hallelujah. It's in you. All the power you need is in you when you're full of the Holy Ghost. My great-grandfather said in his writings that when he came back to America, he was so dismayed at the complacency of the American church. He had come from Persia, where every meeting, every prayer gathering, they were at risk of murder. Every time they came together to worship, none of us feared that tonight. None of us feared tonight that that we would be in risk of losing our life because we came to this location and worshiped God together. None of us feared that. So it's easy to skip it. It's easy to have kind of a blasé attitude. It's easy to mm, take it or leave it. Meh. He said, you know, I think people are spiritually better off when they're in danger of death over their walk with God. That's what he said. He looked at both 
sides of the equation. The people who were in no danger of death took it all for granted. And the people who were in danger of death clung to it for the life-giving source that it is. And they endured sound doctrine because they understood sound doctrine is Jesus Christ. This is why when Paul went to the church at Corinth, and he gets there and there is so much awry. Everybody, the gifts of the Spirit are, are being abused and, and utilized to prop people up, and it's causing disorder and dysfunction. And people are, people are so, so deeply steeped in fornication, and it's all being condoned. And, and, and it, it, there's, there's so many problems in the Corinthian church. And the Apostle Paul walks into those problems and he's looking at every chapter. He's looking at a different problem like, this is messed up. Y'all have lost your minds. Where am I? Who in the world are you? Where did the Corinthian people of God go? And finally he said, I decided to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the soundness of our doctrine. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, let's praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord right now. There's healing in this house. There's power in this house. Glory to the name of our God. Glory to the name of our God. Hallelujah. I want somebody going through something right now. I want you to stand to your feet and say, the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm going to depend upon him. I'm going to depend upon him. I'm going to endure this. Hallelujah. Because he endured. I'm going to get through this because he endured. Hallelujah. Let me speak to someone wrestling with condemnation right now. Let me speak to someone wrestling with condemnation right now. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is how you endure sound doctrine. Forget those things which are behind. And reach forth unto those things which are before. Forget those things which are behind. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the things that are behind us. Sometimes those things are sinful things that we need to forget. But he didn't just say sinful things. He simply said those things. Sometimes we can be used for God in a certain way. For a certain season and in a certain time. And that can become what we call the golden years. We say it like this. We say things like the good old days. Or maybe we say, maybe they weren't long enough ago that we say it that way. Maybe we just say, those were some good times. And that becomes, that becomes an idol to us. And we think of that as, as this pinnacle. 
moment in our life when, when all the while it was just something and one part of what God was going to use us to do. But He has so many other things for us to do. So many other things for us to do. I've preached to 18,000 people in one setting before. It could be easy to look back at that and say, man, that was awesome. And forget that God wants me to sit down at a table with one person. And I may never get another invitation to ever preach to a crowd above a thousand for the rest of my life. Doesn't matter. Forget those things. Forget those things. Reach forth unto those things. Forget those things. Reach forth unto those things. Forget those things. Reach forth unto those things. Reach forth unto those things. I don't know what God has in store for me, but I know that I'm willing to lay down my life to see it done. It's not easy. It's, it's total sacrifice. It's total sacrifice. I think of brother and sister Enos early 70s to mid 70s receiving a call of God to the mission field very settled, very happy in Indianapolis very involved in the work of the Lord at Calvary Tabernacle Dr. Ranking didn't really like the idea of his daughter being taken by a son-in-law to Europe the call of God pulsated Deep, deep in their heart. It's not going to be easy. There's a simplicity. The simplicity is just releasing and letting God. But the sacrifice, you're going to miss some birthdays. You're going to miss some functions. Time is going to pass. And the soundness of this doctrine is that Jesus Christ is an innocent lamb. And he paid a price so that one day we would all stand in His glory and in His presence and rejoice forevermore. And I know, I know you're sacrificing a lot down here on earth, but when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to see God's praise than when we first begun. My God. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Somebody help me praise him right now. Jesus, I love you. Is there anybody willing to just lay it all down right now? Is there anybody willing to say, Lord, you are so pure and so holy. You are worthy of my very breath. You are worthy of every drop of sweat, drop of blood in my body. I praise you, Lord. I want to encourage the Sunday school teacher. Y'all, some of the, the Sunday nights are some of the only church the Sunday school teachers get because every Sunday morning they're sacrificing, 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 raising up children under the glory of the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight, but those children are growing on and growing up. And the call of God is being placed into their hearts. And they are sensitive to the voice of God because of what the Sunday school teachers are putting into their hearts. I know there are five, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But, but, but these are missionaries, home Bible study teachers, strong husbands, strong wives. I want somebody to stand on the sound doctrine of who Jesus is and come to the front right now and say, Lord God, I give you all of me. I give you all of my heart. I give you all of my soul. I lay it all down. I'm not going to look for an excuse. You are innocent. I find no fault in you at all. I cannot. How can I do this great wickedness before my God who is so pure and so holy and so right and so true? How could I stop serving Him because He is so worthy of all of my praise? Come on, church, let's do it. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The time will come when they'll not heed the call of God. But we're going to stand in this world and in this generation, a generation that knows not God, and we're going to declare His righteousness, shine His light, show His love. Come on, that's it. Just pour it all out. Jesus at the center of it all. Hallelujah. And Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Jesus be the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. Hallelujah. It will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Is Jesus your Messiah?